Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Please share the podcast. We really appreciate it. We are back downstairs in the DAC, the Downstairs Athletic Club. Bit of a... a a respite from recording the podcast because of Kurt. Uh, yeah, this is on and, me. Yeah, well, it's, it's more on nature, I would say. I guess than specifically on you, but uh, you you had a surgery. I did have a you know supposed minor surgery for a umbilical hernia. So my belly button had a few bubbles poking out. Nothing new. This has been going on for a long time, but I finally just bit the bullet. And got it done. And I had set the bar so low on my recovery. Like, I I, I had, I expected it to be torture. It right. was somehow worse than I expected it to be. So you're doing better now. That's fair to say. Yeah, right? I'm two plus weeks out now. So I feel pretty good. Like, it's weird because they implanted a mesh. And you can feel the mesh in there. <gasps> and it's, like, real hard on your stomach. And so it, your body is getting used to it being absorbed into the flesh. Yikes. So when you turn and move, it kind of tugs here and there. And it's, Shut the front yeah, door. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. So now you have the surgery and it's done. But before you were living with a hernia. Yes, I was. <laughs> so... Like we grew, we grew up in the age group where, um, uh, oh Christ, weird Al, weird Al. Yeah. And the first, like to me, the first mega hit was, um, just eat it. Eat, eat it, it was probably his first real it. big one. Yeah. That, like took off. And then he, he, he was hot at some point in the eighties. So when you told me about, you know, the hernia surgery and then I got the song living with a hernia and I, had forgotten and I looked about it. it up the YouTube video I was like half crying. I was laughing so hard at the, and I didn't know, like, look it up. It's weird. Al Yankovic living with a hernia. Um, he perfectly, uh, um, uh, mirrors when James Brown was performing living in America from yeah. Rocky four. You correct. It is like almost like, like a carbon copy. It's incredible. It is absolutely hilarious. So here's, <laughs> here's one of the lyrics I had to write. By the down. way, side note, before you get to that, okay. I consider Weird Al to be an, a literal genius. He might be. No, I think he is. I mean, I, I just don't know how he can keep coming up with those things. Like, the talent it takes to come up with the lyrics, okay? He's a pretty good singer. And a I pretty mean, good that, musician, Right, too. I mean, you... And then, when he samples these songs, there are a ton of different genres to a certain yeah. degree. So, like, he's kind of all over the board, but he pulls it up. But, like, coming up with the stupid concepts that he does, I think is maybe harder than writing good lyrics. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> or at least lyrics that, like, they fit in with what, you know, the original song was. But then also, you know. <laughs> they tell a story. They tell a story, and they're, and they're funny. So here's, here's one of them. <laughs> Can't run, barely crawl. Got a bulge in my intestinal wall. Living <laughs> with a hernia. That's good. God, that's so good. So my favorite, I think uh, my I favorite. Wound up, I wound up watching like four in a row. My favorite one is the Ryer the Kaiser, which is a play on I Have, I have the Tiger. And it's it's a fat, old, retired Rocky, and he's running a deli. <laughs> so dumb. It's so dumb. Oh God! It was it was nice though. I I remember I, I sent that to you and our friend, and and I was laughing when I sent it. And anyways, I went down like a, a twenty minute, uh, and, and it was cool because it was like back in the day. Like I'd probably seen all those videos at some point, but dude, I I haven't watched them in thirty years. <laughs> no, so you know, it was like almost like watching them new. But. So it just made me realize he must be a big Rocky fan if he writes a song about Rocky. And then he's sure. living with hernia, which yeah. is was in you know the the original was in Rocky Four. Right, he's probably a big fan. I'm guessing. My guess is uh, Sylvester Stallone back in the '80s was not a big fan of no uh, him no. making fun of. I'm sure. I wonder if, like, at the time, those artists were pissed because he was making money off the music that they produced. But I wonder if over time it's like, okay, it was actually pretty funny. Well, if you ever heard uh, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers interviewed about the – he did um, Give It Away, but it was Yabba Dabba Do Now for Fred Flintstone. Okay. And it was it probably wasn't one of his better efforts, let's be honest. Right. And they asked Flea about it, and Flea's just like, you should, should have seen his face. He's like, it's just, it's stupid. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why he does that. It's just so dumb. Like, he was offended. Yeah. 
but maybe Flea today would be like, okay. I think Flea today would probably be fine with it. Uh, But anyways, glad to see you're doing better. Uh, When I picked you up, uh, it was perfect because dropped you off at the hospital. It was butt crack, so it was before the day started. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't pee, so you had to stick around in the hospital for longer. Two hours it took me to pee. Yeah, which I think is pretty common. For it is. There's area. like they they worry about some obstruction or something. Yeah. So if you don't pee for a while, they want to keep you there in case. And I was still on the now I'm worried that I have this obstruction, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, great, I'm gonna go back in surgery. This is awesome. Yeah, but I finally um, peed. Uh, I was like, uh, and I was texting a mutual friend of ours, and I'm like, I kind of hope he's loopy. I want to see loopy, Kurt. You were you were. You were pretty much with it. I was lucid, but I tell you, the drugs I was on, I was so tired. They yeah. just, I kept like nodding off. Yeah. And how did it go? Okay. I had an oxygen monitor on me, which had to be over like a certain percent saturation, right? Or else an alarm would go off. Okay. When I'd fall asleep, the saturation would go down because I'm, I'm snoozing. I'm not breathing as much. So then the alarm would go off and it'd wake me up. So it was a continual. So that was pretty much your whole afternoon. That was two hours of me falling asleep and being woken up by this alarm. (laughs) It was awful. I'll say this though. You were kind of a chatterbox when you got in the car. You were just, it was a complete stream of conscience. It was like uh, your, your surgery in and out of college football, complaining about women. Yeah. It was just it was just a, it was a big curt loop. And talking about going. my doctor, because I love my doctor. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was awesome. Yeah, you were pretty happy with your doctor. Anyways, okay, long story short, glad to have you back, buddy. Yeah, I'm glad I'm starting to feel better here. All right, moving right <laughs> along here. Okay, so this is, let's just explain what we're going to do on this episode, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, well, first of all, we had to table the coaches' <laughs> rankings because uh, we just couldn't coordinate our schedule with... Uh, Dustin Schutte from Saturday Tradition. He's going to be our guest for that episode. So we're going to push that off till next week and basically just do a housekeeping episode. We're just going to kind of catch up on all the comings and goings in the Big Ten Conference over this last month or so that we haven't recorded. And then I would like to say uh, thanks for bringing it up that we were supposed to be doing the coaching ranking podcast. I swear uh, we had our coaching coaches ranking ranks done Two weeks ago, yeah. over two weeks ago, I have tallied the the uh, data. I'm the only one that knows the official coaches ranking right now. And then b- between, you know, the aforementioned surgery and Dustin Shooty traveling, now all of a sudden the ton of the it's it is coaching ranking season it is. now. So we so we would have been the first, man. We, we would have been, been on the first. cusp. Instead, we're like probably on the back end now. Right. So um that's a little bit unfortunate, but hey, you know, you can uh judge us against the other peers that are out there. With that being said, um, I'm going to complain about one of the coaching ranking right. shows at the end of this podcast. So it'll be um, a nice tease for next podcast. It We're will be a little, do a little bit of coaches rankings towards the end of this cast. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Starting off, I'm not a big countdown guy. You know this. I make fun of these guys that in the offseason, it's 57 days till the start of the college football season. It is now 42 days. Like, you know. Bill King, by the way, taught me this from WNSR Nashville Sports Radio. He he taught me to savor the off season. Like the off season is a, it's a thing too, Agreed. right? Agreed. So we're not in a hurry to get to the season. It's gonna happen no matter how many how we count it down or not. Very much agree. With that being said, it's nice to have little check marks and reminders. Right. Every so I now don't and then. mind a big benchmark like this, which yes. is so I am gonna kind of be a hypocrite, but I'm gonna bring up the fact that we are less than 100 days away from Week Zero when Illinois will play Nebraska to kick off the Big Ten season. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with when you're really getting up close to that three month away mark. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, The other thing, too, is just I don't feel like my internal sports incrometer is an incrometer. Yeah, sure. It is now clock, whatever you want. It's not it's still not normal. Like we're not uh -uh. like it's just not in sync yet for anybody. It won't be till next year. Probably probably will be the case because to me, it feels like the college football season should be further away. Like I feel like with spring ball getting pushed back. Uh, like spring ball for whatever, if this makes any sense, spring ball seemed like it happened about the same time it normally does, but it, it didn't. It was later. So now that spring ball's wrapping up, Rutgers just wrapped they up. They just had their game last Correct. night, I think it was. So, like, typically when that's the case, you got a full three and a half, four months until college football starts. Now all of a sudden we're, we're kind of right on top of it. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. 
So speaking of Rutgers, though, I meant to write a couple notes down. I guess I've kind of forgot, but Shiano landed another four-star just this week. Yeah. Uh, offensive tackle out of Jersey, number one player in Jersey. So everyone, all you Rutgers haters out there, get your jokes in now. Because that's, I think, is he's got four four stars in this class. Yeah, he's like threatening, like to jump into maybe top ten at some point here. Now, I would say I would contend, and you tell me you're more of a recruiting beatnik than I am. But part of it is because there are so the classes are tiny right now. This is historically, yeah, about as low as it is for sure. at any time, yeah. or at least the last twenty years when they really started tracking it. Um, I think Shiano, and this is genius, okay? This is a compliment to Shiano. I think he said, screw it. We're going at as many guys as we can. Yeah. Because even if you land a mid-three-star, okay? A mid-three-star is better than nobody signing or, or nobody committing to your class. So by by doing that, extending offers, and kids are accepting them too, obviously, now all of a sudden people are talking about Rutgers football yes. and the Rutgers recruiting class. I would even go so far as to say, even if a good chunk of these kids don't remain committed or even, you know, pan out when they get to, to campus, it was still worth it because again, people are talking about Rutgers. That's true. But another thing that I think I, I would throw into that equation is Rutgers roster. Let's be honest, has not been great. So they don't have to, I mean, yeah, the super senior thing happens this year, but that's not going to be next year. So they don't have to give a fifth year to a guy if they don't want to. No. So I, I, there's probably a lot of guys where he's like, I don't want to give this guy a fifth year, so I'm going to bring in a bigger class. I think that's a great point. And I don't mean to I don't mean to say that a bunch of guys are going to decommit from this class. I don't mean to say that a bunch of guys aren't going to pan out. I'm saying I believe it's a calculated good risk yeah. by Shiano to bring these guys in. And I applaud it. I also think at some point, you know, in, and again, you taught me this, the numbers alone, right? Just having yeah. a bigger class jumps your, the ranking of your class up. They have one of the bigger classes in the country right now. It'll probably even out yeah. a little bit it more will. by the time, you know, the end sure. of recruiting season. With that being said, I don't think there's any way it's it's not possible that this won't be one of the highest ranked R Rutgers recruiting class. Oh yeah, maybe ever. Well, I don't know. It'll be that high because remember, Shannon uh, had, had that some really good. Ones good yeah. yeah, we talked about that recently. But uh, apparently, you know, as an Illini fan, I guess I'm just learning this. But apparently, momentum's a thing in it recruiting. Thing. I guess that's yeah. something you want to have. I as don't is know. recruiting your home, your own state. Oh yeah. Where well, you, I'm just where learning you play that too. College, I, all this stuff is just deal. you know becoming reality to me. Yeah. Okay. So moving right along, sticking with that that less than 100 days theme, Nebraska, of course, playing Illinois week zero. Well, guess who Nebraska's playing next year in week zero? Yeah. Northwestern. Yeah. Guess where they're playing? Yeah. Dublin, Ireland. Right. What uh, can I, I I just have to pause here. Why do the college football gods forsake me? What have <laughs> I done to them? I, I don't know, but I was trying to, you know, I'm big into analogies. This is the, the analogy I could come up with. Okay. You and a buddy are going to go golfing, right? And for whatever reason, not necessarily your fault, not necessarily his fault, but you, he had to cancel the golf. And, and I like, really oh. wanted to golf. And you're like, you know what? I was looking forward to that. It's a good little... analogy, by the way, because right. it's in Ireland. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So so it happens. No big deal. Okay. Then you find out he made a tea time with a different buddy a right. week later, yeah. and he didn't tell you. Never and, even, and, and then you just find out they went golfing. Never they even posted bothered it on Facebook to see if, if I was available, if I had a slot available that day. It's got to feel quite a bit like that. No, I'm but sorry. actually, in truth, though, I think what happened, from what I can infer, is Illinois came back to Nebraska and said, can we do this in 22? But Nebraska's not going to give up a home game, and I don't blame them. They shouldn't. Why would they give up 90,000 tickets to go overseas and only have whatever, I don't know, half, that stadium's not big. I've seen the stadium. It's probably, I don't know, forty to 50,000 okay. capacity. So then you cut that in half. Sure. So why would they do that? Yep. I mean, Illinois, it's not a huge sacrifice. Northwestern, it's not a huge sacrifice, but that would be a big sacrifice. So then what Nebraska did, they said no. And then they said, who could we do this with next year? Because we still want to go to Ireland. So they, they reached out to Northwestern. And of course, Northwestern agreed. I don't blame them. I mean, that's huge. all eyes on you, week zero. Who wouldn't want to do that, I think? Who wouldn't give up a home game and maybe just a, few, a little bit of tickets here and there for all that publicity? Absolutely. Um, I know I will be tuned in to watch that game. I can't wait to see. My guess is they'll be quite a bit more red than purple. Uh, you know, there'll be some 
Or maybe, yeah. I, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's like, maybe it's, it's, you know, got enough novelty to it that Northwestern fans will, it's not like there aren't well, Northwestern fans that don't have money. That's the thing. They can is, travel yeah, over. So, right. Yeah. I mean, with Illinois, I was expecting a half and half split with Northwestern. It may be a little more, you know, skewed towards red than purple. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I wonder at what point they, cause the, the, I think the Nebraska tickets will be sold immediately. Instantly. So then do they give the Northwestern side a little bit more time to put things together? At what point do they say, okay, we got to get this stadium full. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know, but thank you football gods for not only taking that game from me, but then giving it to Northwestern. I mean, seriously, it's like, I can't win in this sport. Why do I follow it? anymore? (laughs) I don't know, but we're glad you do because I like doing the podcast. I guess I just hate myself. There, there could be a little masochism. going It has to be. Yeah. Okay. Sticking with, NU, but not Nebraska. This is sticking with Northwestern. Recently hired Northwestern Director of Athletics, Mike Poliski, has has resigned from his position after only a few days at, at the helm. He essentially got canceled. He's been he was named. Uh, this is not new. This was known. He had been named as a defendant along with Northwestern University and I think three others in a um, Title IX violation lawsuit. So he's he's named. He hasn't been tried or convicted but he is named in this lawsuit so there was a big backlash because he's been accused of something and he decided maybe that the university decided along with them maybe it's not a the greatest idea just resign so uh you know not going too deep down the cancel culture crap that is is ridiculous and has gotten way out of hand with that being said the the chronological you know, uh, data points here is what I'm curious about. Somebody knew that he was going to be named the AD a while back. They obviously have done a extensive background search in anybody, not just Mike Poliski, that would have that job. So how does it that he, he, he gets nominated two days later, this comes out like, they had this. Somebody had this information. Well, sure. Before. I mean, Northwestern obviously knew it, but who are you saying had it before? Journalists, okay. people that were, you know. So they waited what? for him to get hired, and then they attacked. Doesn't it seem Be- like that? Yeah, because or, it's or, not as fun if you just say, "Oh, well, he was accused. Maybe you should find another candidate." It's more fun if he gets, you know, the job, and then you you remove the job, you get him fired. I think that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. God, awful. And by the way, Northwestern of, and and him are of course disputing this, this lawsuit. I mean, they they say it's bogus. So, I look. I have no problem with them getting fired. Let's say they go through the legal process, convict him. Fine. You want to fire him that way? That's fine. I just don't know why we've given up on this innocent until proven guilty thing in the in this country. It, it, it seems to be a a bigger deal than what people are making it out to be. I, I think it's a huge huge deal. Uh, so what's a huge deal? Meaning innocent, like some people are like, ah, innocent till proven guilty. Yeah, it's nothing. No, right. innocent till no. proven guilty is that's a, what one makes of the us pillars of our society. That's what, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Thanks for articulating that better than I did. But, and yeah. I have no idea what happened. I don't know if he's guilty or not, but let's but find out. But neither does let's, anybody else. That's nobody. why you do an investigation and wait till it gets through. And by the way, I have been supporting this like i've been kind of defending him a little bit on the yeah. message boards and yeah. just getting attacked by illinois fans. oh yeah of course yeah, yeah. no i we, mean i guess if you really want to be deep and dark this is actually the football gods throwing you a bone back to a certain degree but i guess it's not of. the bone you were looking for no it's not, not the bone i'm looking for no. okay moving right along <laughs> moving yeah, some can- yeah we got more, a theme more yeah. cancel culture here yeah. this, is, this is a theme okay so pj fleck is the has been targeted by WCCO, they're the local CBS affiliate here in the Twin Cities, with what I'm calling a hit piece. Um, I, I, we should probably, I don't know, maybe post the the video, but essentially, he's been he's being accused of mistreatment of players, but there aren't actually even a single accusation of like, you know, breaking a rule or breaking a law. It's just he's mean. And some of his players quit, and the couple got injured. That's all I took from the story. It, it sounds a lot like feelings got hurt. Feelings got hurt instead of laws got broke. And I don't want to say the name of the person they interviewed, but he's a former professor that got fired by the university that had a bone to pick for years with the universities. He's, he's a known squeaky wheel. He was always filing complaints. He is, also has his own blog where you can go back and look at the history. He does not like college football. 
He does not like football players. He does not like football coaches. He doesn't like football culture. He doesn't like anything about it. He's he's been attacking football for years. So yep. he's he's got a bone to pick. He's got a dog in the fight here. You know, he's this he, this is not a just a neutral observer seeing something wrong. And again, yes, people get hurt playing football and they have to retire from football. And um okay, one of the things that really bothered me about the story is when these guys retired, several of them medically retired. I don't know if I want to say their names necessarily, but they medically retired and they publicly came out and thanked the Fleck staff, Fleck and the staff. And they now they're saying that's because they didn't want to lose their scholarship. You can't yank a guy's scholarship for medically retiring. I mean, there's probably nefarious instances where that has happened, but According to the rules, if you get injured and medically retired, you you still have your four year and, and scholarship. And you tell me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty confident in this. It's not like that medical scholarship counts to your 85. No, it does not. So it coaches don't care. They don't. About, they don't give not, a crap. They're not writing out the check, right, for that scholarship. So and and obviously it would be bad advertising for any football program if it was a known thing that they told an ex-player that got injured playing the sport to pound sand because it in today's day doesn't age, help you of course it's going to get out so i have a hard time believing that um this is the the time in us breaking this down where we have to you know kind of make the statement i'm a, I'm a minute or uh i'm an iowa fan you're an illinois fan minnesota is actually you know a rival we aren't gigantic pj fleck fans um if i listed out the coaches in the big 10 from top to bottom that i'd want one of my kids to play for i don't think he'd be at the tippy top with that being said as much as humanly possible i try to look at every situation presented to us that you know involves the big 10 conference and break it down as neutral as i can i feel like i'm doing that here and i feel like i have to say this is bullshit it's bs the hit piece that was done you know the professor having his, you know, stupid views on the sport of college football as if he's been physically assaulted by the sport himself somehow. You know what? It's a free country. You can hate it. That's that's fine. I, I don't like soccer all that much, you right. know, like that, but that's okay. When you take it over into this and then the editor-in-chief or whatever the title is at WCCO says, you know, I'm going to listen to this crazy person. I'm also going to listen to Liz Collin, who also yeah, has so Liz a Collin, definite... Liz Collin was the name of journalist. the journalist, quote-unquote journalist, I, that did this story, but not quote-unquote on the term story. And we're, we're not saying a lot of the athletes' names because let's just be yeah, respectful I, I to them to a certain degree. And I don't necessarily blame any of them. Like, look, if I suffered a, a massive neck injury and had to end my career, I'd, I'd probably be mad at a lot of people. I'd just be mad in general, you know? So... Like, but but we can say her name. She is an adult. We are yeah. not going to uh, tell you who she's married to. Do some research yourself. You'll very quickly find out that we don't think Liz Cullen is a person that can view this story from a neutral point yeah. of view. All of those things that we just talked about. Potential right conflict there. of interest there. And then WCCO still ran the story. Still ran the story. Because it's what, sweeps, weeks, or however it is, and they need to get... like. That, I believe, falls under journalistic integrity, yeah. of which WCCO showed zero. Zero. And, okay, another analogy. We've used this before. If you happen to be a journalist listening to this podcast, okay, we are not talking about you specifically necessarily. Me and you are both in sales. I have been told approximately 150 times in my sales career how much that person hates salespeople, okay? I don't take it as a personal affront to me. I take it as a personal front to the other uh, people that were in front of me that probably most of them were bad salespeople. And that's what that person came to the conclusion. I then also take it as a personal goal to let them know that I'm going to separate myself from the bad salespeople to make myself stand out. Maybe more journalists should have that point of view on their profession, especially when they're confronted with BS stories like this. I'm going to take it a step further. Okay. Liz Collin has this Axe to grind with PJ Fleck for whatever reason. I mean, again, I say it's more university. It's than well, it yeah. is specifically to PJ Fleck. Okay, let's just leave it at that. But I'm not sure that journalists understand that when they do something like this, that's complete. You know, it's com it's complete garbage journalism. It 
yeah, I'm. I don't like PJ Flex shtick, but I don't know him as a person. He's probably a, a nice guy. I imagine I'd probably like him if I met him. But it makes me a fan of him. It gets me on okay. his side. And now I am anti WCCO, and I will never For watch sure. that ever again. Absolutely not that I was watching a ton before, but I'm with you. What I thought you were going with that—that's an excellent point. What I thought you were going with, you know, what the WCCO doesn't know it's doing. Here's another thing that I don't understand if they know what they're doing by hurting the local media by hurting the university because this hurts the university yeah right now my guess is pj fleck is less excited to stay at minnesota long term now than he was a month ago before this story came up and was run if pj flex pj fleck leaves the university of minnesota it will no doubt in my mind hurt the university of minnesota football team by the way, hurting any university's football team hurts the university itself. When you hurt the big state university, the whole state gets hurt sure. by this. Well, but, you- but but they they have done this multiple times. I tried to get his uh, um, okay on Twitter. He he didn't give me the okay, so I'm not going to say his name. But this is somebody that follows the podcast and okay. was, was talking about her message. He said, "Media dumpster." Uh, uh, media, they WCCO and the local media has been media dumpster diving since 1997 for the Jan Gandalhoff story. No clue what Don't that remember. is. The 2002 hockey team underage drinking story. Oh, I do no, remember that. No. Oh, underage oh. drinking by college students. The Lou Holtz to Notre Dame stuff in 86. And he's like, that's just scratching the surface off the top of my head. My guess is if you really went to a committed, probably more gopher uh, fan, but just. Let's not forget the recruiting scandal from what about five years ago that, you know, I, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of stubs, substance to that story. I mean, that's the one that Antoine Winfield Jr. sued the university because his, his name was being, you know, dragged Drug. through the mud. Right. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And again, this do do I think PJ Fleck is going to take off? No, I don't. I don't have any proof of that. Like he's, but he's obviously be annoyed. I don't know how he can't be. I don't know how he can't be. I mean, you, you think he, he'd he be thinking, okay, what if I was in South Bend? Would they be treat me? Would the local media treat me like this in South Bend? You have to think that stuff. Yeah. I mean, they certainly aren't going to treat you like that in the SEC. None no. of this stuff sees the light of day. Right. None of this stuff. Like, they keep this. Everybody's in on it in the SEC. And can I? You're, you're, you're trying to tell me that there has never been an instance at Auburn when a player got hurt and an SEC coach is like immediately knew that that player was no longer of any use to them right and tossed him to the side that's never happened in the SEC right give and me by the a way, break. I'm not I don't I'm not convinced that happened here okay so let let me let me continue on that just for a little bit then I want to try to end on a little bit of a comedic point I think well, okay I, let me make one more point yeah, though yeah, okay. the, the last thing they said in the story was we looked at the injuries the medical retirements and they're on uh, on par with every other they're not they're not in the top they're not in the bottom they're right in the middle they're pretty much where every power five conference probably is with regards to uh uh injuries and, and how they're maintained and they're accusing they're saying one guy lost 50 pounds in five weeks that's not even possible like do you ever watch naked and afraid that's how much weight they lose like okay. they're in the wild they right. have to survive in the wild and they basically don't eat for three weeks and they lose about 10 and, and pounds then, a week and on top of this how would it ever be uh, a, a thing where a coach is like knowingly going to do some drill that he knows somebody's going to get hurt Co- coaches talk ad nauseum oh, yes. about trying to right. avoid injuries like they are constantly trying to find ways to improve as a football team, run drills, and not cause injuries. It is it is like their number one goal okay. as a coach. Do you think P.J. Fleck wants an offensive lineman to lose 50 pounds? I don't think so. And if he lost 50 pounds, is that P.J. Fleck's fault? So another thing, and I'm not going to say his name, but the, the ex-offensive lineman, yeah. okay, he was quoted in this as saying, like we were running these t- full tackle uh, uh, scrimmages in the spring. Like, why are we doing that? We're not even playing a football game until the fall. Oh, so 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 now live tackling and scrimmaging in the spring is the most ridiculous thing because it's the spring and not the fall. Gee, who else runs live practices and scrimmages in the spring? Every, Every single team. Football program. But I think that, I think that was actually the defensive end. But what? Oh, okay. one more thing. 
is they all complained about having to say the word elite. Well, you knew that going in. Correct. I guarantee one of the first words PJ Fleck said to each one of these kids was elite. And that this is what we how we do things. You there are no guesses as to how things are going to operate when you get on campus at Minnesota. I'm sure PJ makes that very clear. Um, did that did give off a, an air of of cultishness? To well, it, it does, a but, bit, but but you, if you don't like it, don't go but, there. But like, let's just say this: if you've got a team with a good culture, okay, I would go so far as to say if you got a a, a company with a good culture. There is a you start going down the cult train a little bit. Like sure. you have to have people buy in. There's yeah. usually mantras and stuff like that. When Coach Ferentz came in when I was there, it was break the rock. That was the thing. Keep hitting the rock and on the doesn't break on the first or second time. It breaks on the thousandth time. Yeah. But it's not the thousandth blow. It's the nine hundred and ninety blows that went before it. I mean, we heard that all the time, and it it worked. You know, it, it yeah. got the program there. There's always slogans and a little bit, maybe a little. It's a little bit further down the the path. Yeah. With with, with uh, uh, Captain Quarterzik than than I would want to be, but it's it's still there. Um, you got anything so the, else? Well, right? so here's the thing about his shtick. I don't like it, but I don't have to like it because I don't play for him. You know, going in, there's going to be PJ Fleck shtick. So it's like, look, either either buy into it or don't go there. And on top of that, by the way, not only does that apply to Gopher football under PJ Fleck, that applies to the sport. If you don't want right. to play the sport, it's not a contact sport. Correct. It's a collision sport. If you don't want to play it, there is this magical thing you can do in this country. You can choose not to play the sport. I and then choose just... not to race. <laughs> um, then I'd also like to add that there was a number of current and, and ex-Gopher yeah. players that poured onto Twitter and Which and, is why I know social media. That's why I know it's BS. And, some like, Gopher and that fans, happened immediately. You're right. And some Gopher fans were <clears throat> lamenting that this story was going to last days and days. And I'm like, no, it's gone. If this is going to be out of the news cycle quick. It was out quick. My guess is a ton of people that don't live in Minnesota are probably hearing this for the first time. I think this story still has credence across all of college football because of this could happen anywhere type yeah. of deal. But um, anyways, so with that being said, um, I I hesitate telling this story, okay, because I don't want it to – I don't want it to smear Iowa football, okay? But I'm also extremely confident when I say that I know this This happens everywhere. This has happened at every single, not just Division One college football program across the country – they push you to get better. They yeah. push you to get tougher, to play through injuries, stuff like that. That's part of becoming a tough and mentally tough I mean, football team. It even happens in high school. Or it, at least it, it does. It, it absolutely does. Um, ex-coworker of mine, just throwing this out there, he played at Kansas State. He was an offensive okay, line. cool. We talked about the same stuff. Same stuff. Same stuff at K-State. Sure. I, if I talked, I could list off any. Okay. So the funny thing is, is and this was actually technically the former staff. This was Hayden Fry's staff okay. when I first got to Iowa. Um, so the first day of camp, um, where, where you run against, it's just freshmen. And then we were two or three days into fall camp with, you know, the rest of the football team. So seniors, starters, everybody like that. And we were running shells, which at the time, I'm pretty sure shells meant helmet and shoulder pads. Yep. Okay. Um, we had different variations or whatever. Yeah. So you were known to stay up top, you know, when yeah, you hit somebody right, stay up sure. top. every now and then though, instincts take over. Yeah. And I won't I won't say his name. His, his uh, initials were J.O., okay? This okay. was a senior defensive end, okay. a grown-ass man. I mean, yeah. he's like 23 years old. I'm not sure. even 19 years old yet. And I come running through. Believe it or not, I was a running back when I first got to Iowa. And I think maybe I didn't stop the drill when I was supposed to. Okay. And, and J.O. was going to teach me a lesson. Sure. And he came through and cleaned me up low, okay? <laughs> and he stuck his helmet right on my hip and I got a hip pointer. Oh yeah. And I dropped to the ground and in my mind, that was the most pain I believe I had ever felt in my entire life. And it took my breath away. Like I couldn't talk. And, and, um, our defensive coordinator came over, God rest his soul. And he was like, Hey, you okay? And I went, and he goes, move the drill. And they just, (laughs) just moved the drill, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> they just moved it away from me. I, I, I was still laying there. That's awesome. They don't get, there's only so much time you can practice. So they, and I remember they just, everybody <laughs> moved away from me and I'm like, Jesus. And then, and then of course a trainer came That's over. They checked funny. me, but yeah. I like that. Yeah. And by <laughs> the way, I lived. I lived. Oh, you're, you're still I'm, here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, how about it? Okay. Moving right along. Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. Uh, had, he was reporting soon to be former University of Wisconsin AD Barry Alvarez is going to be hired to work Jesus. for the Big Ten as a liaison between the oh. league and the football coaches. How do you feel about this? I've got some thoughts here. Yeah, I've got some thoughts. Is anybody in a leadership role doing their job these days? Like I am. No, but here, here's how I see this. Okay. Here's how I see this. Is you know they had Barry to kind of be their spokesperson, right? And none of the other coaches want to deal with KW. So they're like, oh, no, Barry's gone. Who's going to deal with this asshole at the, you know, at the Big Ten? I don't want to deal with them. Well, how about you deal with them? Kirk, you deal with I don't want to deal with them. Well, let's just hire Barry to keep dealing with them. We don't have to talk to the guy. If if it's anything other than that, I call BS because that is exactly how it went down. Maybe even to the point where Barry was looking to – to move on from the athletic, you know, uh, uh, head of the athletic department role. And they were like, hey, what happens if we had this night? You can stay in the spotlight because Barry. He loves we, that spotlight. We know you love that spotlight. Oh, yeah. So now he only has to work 15 hours a week. Yeah. But he's still in a leadership. I mean, could this not? Could this, And by the way, it's just another thing that works out in Barry Alvarez's uh, life. I the, mean, the, everything <laughs> comes up roses for that, literally and figuratively. <laughs> but also... We we do have to talk more on the fact that there is no doubt that these coaches, and I would throw in uh, football coaches, and I would throw in athletic directors as well, they have zero confidence in KW. No. They don't even want to listen to that guy's voice on a call, see his face on a Zoom call. They don't want to. They want to deal with them as little as humanly possible. Yeah. So now Barry is is literally given the title of the liaison, the creative and, position for him. And and another thing too is is maybe it's not so much they dislike him, which I don't think is the case. Maybe it's just more so much they're like he doesn't know what the bleep he's doing. Right. So we need uh, essentially the de facto Big Ten head of football yeah. leading this. Now I don't. I mean Barry probably knows sports across the, the the table oh yeah but he definitely understands the football landscape right. which is the big boy i mean that's the big correct the so that's what he's gonna do it, it is like it this isn't as big enough a story as it should be it's weird this is insane i mean i saw barrett report and i haven't heard anybody talk about it since then i swear to you i know 10 people in my circle that i would have more confidence running the big 10 conference than kw Oh gosh, because I, I know I some pretty I, successful. I think I know people. more than ten. <laughs> probably, Barb, probably. I'm be, probably yeah, being pretty I nice. Can, with I those can numbers. bring you ten better candidates. I guarantee more than ten. One of them might be sitting across the table <laughs> yes. from me right now. Um, what was the last thing I was? Okay, okay. Like overall, I, I like me some Barry. Okay, yeah, I do too. Like we we give him a little, you know, a little shit because you know he's got the Wisconsin ties, a little bit of rivalry <laughs> stuff like that. With that being said, I do like him, but he just was running Wisconsin. You know, like, yeah. you're trying to tell me that he's not biased? Yeah. He, he's obviously biased towards Wisconsin. So that, you can't argue that. No. He is biased towards. Then, who's up on the bias list? Probably Nebraska second? That's where he went? I mean, yeah. he's got the ties there. Okay. Maybe, you know, now you know, he's like, well, okay, now I got to be biased towards Ohio. I have to be biased towards Ohio State because it's the big boy. I, I, it's a conflict of interest across the board with Barry. But then Iowa, he coached at Iowa, didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't leave on good terms with okay. Coach Rye. Okay. So there, okay. now I, there could be, you could probably make an argument that he's, he would try to help. And I think him and Kirk are kind of buddies they I mean, must they were, i'm they sure were on they the same are. staff yeah so i would hope bygones be bygones with coach fry he came well, back not to, to the... mention they just they've been working together in some capacity like you know not necessarily on the same team but like he's been he's well known, known him well for 30 years 40 okay. years okay. right how about how about the coach of illinois they've got that's a good history. point that's a good point is he happy with brett for being his prodigal son that he put or is he mad at brett for, for leaving wisconsin leaving yeah. to go well, that's why, the, why is nobody talking? Why have I not read this article? 
Dustin Shooty, paging Dustin Shooty. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane that we're doing this. It's embarrassing. Okay, moving right along. So the last segment, I'm going to hand over to you, Jeffrey the Greek, because you want to talk about a podcast that you recently listened to. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it is specific to this podcast, but it's not like what I'm going to complain about is germane to just this podcast. It's the most recent and obvious one. Um, so, you know, I'm sitting here like we kind of reset the pod here. I think I was just yelling into the microphone during the during the Barry Alvarez part. So I have a note here that says stay calm. Uh, yelling equals bad podcasting because I think if I yell into the microphone, you know, I just come off as a lunatic. Anybody does. So I'm going to do my best. But there's a guy I, I listen to a lot that used to just scream into the microphone. Yeah. But he's he's learned over the years. He has. Yeah. Yeah. OK. He's, he's on um, satellite radio. OK. Let's just leave it at that. OK. All right. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and say the podcast this time. Uh, it's the Cover 3 podcast. OK. Um, I I am going to tag this person when I, when this pot, when we release this podcast, so okay. I'm, I'm going to not, I don't want to like come at him, but it's going to say like, I want to challenge you on okay. a couple things. Are we going to say this person's name? His name is Bud Elliott. Okay. Okay. So, so the cover three podcast, again, I want to say I enjoy the cover, cover three podcast. Okay. They do a good job. <clears throat> um, uh, Tom Fernelli is Tom, one of them. Tom Fernelli is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, in this, this podcast here, uh, I thought Tom Fernelli did a great job. He actually made a lot of the arguments that I would have made if I was on that podcast with them. And so then Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. And there's one more. Um, Chip Patterson. Chip Patterson. And there then you go. Bud Elliott is kind of the new one after um, the, uh, what's his face. So we'll shouldn't they change the name to Quarters it, Coverage it, or something it, like it that? It is a little bit different now. Yeah, there yeah. are there are three people on it, but four um, people. There four were people, there were people. three, which is why which is where Cover, cover three, three comes came. from. So yeah. Um, so again, Tom Tom Fernelli did a great job. Uh, Chip Chip Patterson does his job. He's a good. He's a good you know color yep. guy that gets through. Danny Cannell cracks me up. I, I mean, like Danny. I, I and he's he come fought, after me on Twitter before. Okay, but I like the guy. But Danny fought for college football to he be did. played last fall. So I will never forget uh, Danny Cannell right. for that. I haven't had a huge issue with Bud Elliott in the past, other than he is a complete recruiting beatnik to the point where like. The only thing that matters to him mm, is the yeah. recruiting rankings. There's now, another guy in satellite radio that yeah, is kind of like the same way. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a couple of them out there. Now, to to pause and talk about recruiting very quickly. Obviously, recruiting is important to any college football yeah. program. Anybody that doesn't think recruiting is huge is, is you know kind of stupid and not not paying attention. So I'm not. Completely. But it's not the only thing, I think, is what you're trying to say. It's not the only thing, and this, and then I'm going to take it a step further. Okay. Because hit because what this was about, I've actually done a bad job of setting this up. This was about CBS Sportsline's coaching rankings. Yes. Okay. Um, they Tom, ranked all Power Five coaches, all one to sixty-five. All Power Five coaches plus Notre Dame, one to sixty-five. Their their master list that they have, I think, is a very good list. There's of course I some coaches it. here and there that I don't agree. Couple with. outliers, yeah. But by and large, they did a good job. I read through almost the entire thing, which Tom Fernelli wrote the blurbs for. His blurbs were fantastic. I think yeah. Tom Fernelli is a he's a really one of my dr- favorite national guys, and I'm biased. Absolutely. He's an Illini. Yep. I'm an Illini, but I just I I think am I I mean I know you like him. I do. So too. it's not just an Illini no. bias. He's yeah. got a dry sense of humor. <clears throat> he obviously loves the sport. He he's he's a good dude, you know. Um, but he so he did the list, did a good job, like we said. Um, but then they kind of revealed their personal uh, rankings yeah. that they had and like where they differed from the coaches on the list. So I'll just start out with the first one. He he had Kirk Ferentz 46th in his rankings, 46 out of 65. Wait, this is where Bud Elliott had him? Correct. 46? 46. On the master list. Uh, By Kirk- the way, I'm just hearing this for the first time. Yeah, I didn't no. listen to the podcast. Okay. On the master list, uh, Kirk Ferentz is 17. Yeah, which, which I mean, means, that's which a, by the way, he got a vote. So I don't know how much that 46. Oh gosh, dragged if, Kirk Ferentz down. Yeah, if you down, pull out that one, he'd probably be what 12 I mean, higher up or something like that. I don't know how many people vote on this for the CBS Sports staff, so I can't you know talk to that intelligently. But uh, so that that was was crazy. But then he talked about how it's recruiting that, you know, and I think these, a lot of these guys skew towards younger coaches. I think younger yeah, coaches for sure. excite them yeah. more, but here's my thing on recruiting. This is, and I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts because I think I'm right, but you know, recruiting more than me, 
I think recruiting really, really, really matters if you are a program that has a realistic chance of winning a national title. Okay. Right. But outside of those top five or maybe six programs, okay, take they're they're on a completely different Absolutely. level for talent. Yes. There are only so many five stars. Yes. They go to those schools. Right. We know who they are. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, to a certain degree split up between LSU and um, Georgia. Georgia. Florida and Oklahoma will snag stuff yep. here and there. Those schools that we just named right there get all of the five stars. Absolutely. Almost all of the five almost stars. And a large majority of the upper echelon four stars. Yes. Obviously, recruiting matters because when those guys get all those guys, there's a reason why they win national titles because they have the talent. I would now like to talk about the other 123 or four football programs, especially the next, we'll say, number seven or eight to 40. Okay, the talent difference between the number eight team to the number 31 team, for example, they're mostly still pulling off of three and four stars. Yeah, yeah. The, like the lower end four stars and then the higher end three stars, yeah. The difference between <clears throat> the talent on, again, the number eighth team and the number 31st team, I believe most of the time, I'm not saying it's zero, but it's minimal. So when the talent That's where level, the coaching matters okay, right there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So to a certain degree, take the coaching rankings, take the recruiting rankings, you almost take the top five coaches out and then you start ranking the coaches by on merit on like how many wins and losses guys they put in the NFL, how good the programs run from that point on. And at that point, coaching matters a great deal. Yeah. And, and not to mention Kirk Ferentz is improving his recruiting. And you look at this list here and you got Fitzgerald. And by the way, I don't argue with this up at eight. He doesn't even recruit as well as, as Kirk Ferentz. Right. So isn't that kind of contradicting? Uh, Okay, since you're going to point out that contradiction, correct. The guy right after him, Matt Campbell, at nine. Yeah, that's too high. Who, you, who recruits terribly, by the way. Okay. So, obviously, I am completely biased against Iowa State and Matt Campbell. I'm going to say this one more time. Matt Campbell is a good coach. I am not contesting that I think he's a that very good X's and O's coach. Like he, he, Program builder, yes. all that stuff. Um, you know, they've got a good culture there, obviously, in Iowa State. Guys are sticking around. They're winning games. But nine? I'm I'm concerned. Like, I, I don't know what his... You're putting Matt Campbell in front of three spots in front of Mac Brown? Yeah. Who's got a national title, rebuilt North Carolina, Texas, and is currently rebuilding North Carolina again. And he's three spots behind Matt Campbell. And Matt Campbell can't recruit himself out of a wet paper bag. Old man Kirk is still pounding that hiney in in-state recruits. I'm really curious to see what... Iowa State's going to do in the literally next couple years because what did I don't know what their their roster talent look like when he came in but my gut I mean they're at the bottom of the Big Twelve in recruiting they're terrible it's really bad yeah it's, it's shocking it's awful it's like it had always made sense <clears throat> historically because obviously there's not I the state of Iowa isn't teething with Division One football well, which brings me to another point like what is Bud Elliott expect Iowa to do? Does he expect Kirk Ferentz to catapult them up into that top six, which is never going to happen at Iowa? I'm sorry, probably. Iowa fans. It's just not realistic. You can't be in a state like that. I and never say it. never, but probably not. Probably not. But you no. could also say that about a lot of other football programs yeah. that aren't just located in Iowa City. Or if I can continue this on further, because the next thing that he just beat a dead horse with. He listed all of the Big Ten West coaches way down. Yeah. They, well, I mean, were, that's just that's what the national media does. But I'm saying uh, Tom Fernelli didn't do that. Well, okay. what I could gather, Chip uh, Chip Patterson. What and was Danny Cannell Cannell, doing? I, I can't remember these yeah, off the okay. top. His rankings burned in my head because they were so ridiculous. But and then essentially they said, well, why are you ranking like Paul Christie had like 30 seconds or something like that? Oof. Um, uh, PJ was way down there and basically his thing was, well, they coach in the big 10 West. Yeah. How hard is it to so coach then, in the big 10 West? Okay. Like, he just said over and over again. Yeah, but it's the big 10 West. So, okay. So, so hold on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got some, make a, you know, yeah. make a note because I'm, then I'm gonna lose my, okay. So let's, let's do this. No, so number one. I, so I, I did the, the top 25 coaches in, in, that CBS Sportsline did. And again, I want to say 
by and large, they did a good job. So obviously, Nick Saban, number one, Dabo, number two, Lincoln Riley, three, Ryan Day of the Big Ten, four, and Brian Kelly, five. So just give everybody, that's the top five right there. I, I would maybe flip-flop Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley, but y- y- you could talk me into either. It's a good, solid top five, yeah. okay? Then they start, you know, listening. I'm not going to do them all, but Pat Fitzgerald at eight, which you talked about. James Franklin at 13. Kirk Ferentz at 17. Paul Chris right behind him at 18. Tom Allen right behind him at 20. Jim Harbaugh at 23. Ooh. PJ Fleck at 25. Now, obviously, Jim Harbaugh dropped a long ways down. So yeah, then but I started. That's so then still it, too high for Harbaugh, isn't well, it? He's still in the top 25, is my whole point. So here's, here's the thing that I want to say, okay? The, the Big Ten has eight of the top 25 coaches in the country on this list, okay? Mm-hmm. The next highest uh, conference is the SEC with six. Okay. Now break it down by divisions, okay? The Big Ten East has four coaches in the top 25. The Big Ten West has four coaches in the top 25. Okay. I'll pause right there. How can the Big Ten West be such a shitty division if literally four of the seven coaches listed are in the top 25? If this is such an easy division to waltz into and anybody can can just throw some weight around and start winning this division, how are four coaches in the top and 25? And by the way... The other three are Scott Frost, Jeff Brom, and Brett Bielema. I mean, These those are bad are... coaches. No. <laughs> and, and I'll continue. Nothing to out. sneeze at. There. Greg Schiano is 34, Brett Bielema, 42, okay. Scott Frost, 47, Jeff Brom, 53, Mel Tucker, 57, Mike Loxley, 61. Mel Tucker, he's just getting going. You know, he nobody should feel bad about where his rank's at. Lox is down at the bottom, and, you know, he needs to look at a couple things. But the whole point I'm trying to say is, again, this is we we have when we do our coaches ranking, we are going to talk about how good the coaching is from top to bottom yeah. in this conference. So this is maybe a little bit of a precursor to that. We have what is more of a southern based okay group of people that yeah. are putting together a list, and even they put eight of. I mean, we have literally a a, a third of the of the coaches right. In, in in the top twenty five. I mean, it, it is the best coaching league. I, 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 think. I don't. I think it's hands down. Yeah, which but it's then, it's just weird that they don't give as much credit to the West. So then I and then by the way, just to throw these out, like people can can uh, you know uh, Price Waterhouse Cooper this thing and and audit me and see if I'm wrong. The ACC, okay, mm-hmm. the ACC, two two coaches mm. in the top twenty five. Dabble obviously at number two. Yeah, and then uh, Mac Mac. Yeah. Two great coaches. I think Max too low. I think Max too low too. Then the Pac-12, all in total, four in the top twenty-five. Okay. Two, two in the north, two in the south. Do you have the names? Do you remember? Uh, uh, the Pac-12 North is Mario Cristobal and Shaw. So Oregon and yeah. and Stanford. Okay. They're you know towards the yeah. bottom. The Pac-12 South is Kyle Winningham, which hundred percent yeah, deserves to definitely. be up there. Herm Edwards, you know, by the way, speaking of media. Herm Edwards is one of the top Herm Edwards in the top 25. Yeah, Arizona State's looking good this year. Yeah. Herm Edwards was was absolutely abused by the media. Absolutely. Saying it was the worst coaching hire and everything. Every one of those uh, journalists that said he should have never been hired, embarrassing, whatever, they should have to repost their crappy articles every single year to talk about how stupid they were. So now I want to continue just a little bit more. By the way, Big Kurt's laughing at me because I I told myself not to get fired up. Don't I'm get, doing don't it. Get excited. I'm sorry. Don't okay, get excited. Okay. And I do want to do a side note here. I apologize to our Big Ten East team listeners. They probably tuned off by now. Um, I, I don't ever want this to be too much of a Big Ten West uh, podcast. Obviously, I'm Iowa. You're Illinois. It is, it is our, one of our faults. I ad- admit is. to it. We, we do. In this case, though, the Big Ten East gets a lot more credit. Like, they still view Michigan as Michigan, even though Michigan has not been Michigan for quite some time now. Right. Penn State, I, I think, should get more respect. Me too. But by and large, they still know Ohio State is Ohio State. They give respect to Penn State and Michigan. And now they're talking about uh, Indiana yeah. up and coming and kind of rockers a little bit. Yeah. The Big Ten East deserves credit and should be listed among the best divisions. I'm not saying that the Big Ten West is as good as the Big Ten East. What I'm saying is from top to bottom, it is an excellent division. Yeah. And I think the gap between the East and the West is pretty thin, mostly because the Big Ten West just does not have a really awful team 
and, and well, so, but also the gap is Ohio State. It, 100%. That is the gap. It's Ohio State. If yeah. you flip-flopped Ohio State with any team yeah. in the West, I believe the divisions. I believe most of this stuff comes from the obsession from the national media to only care about a division or a team if it has one or two national title contenders. That's well, the only I mean, this thing they care about. One of the complaints I have about the college football playoff. But with that being said, this is something I, I've thrown out there. To be a new coach to come into the Big Ten, I think I would rather be in the East than the West because I believe there are more gettable games in the East to, to, to get wins. And if you get a lucky thing with crossovers, everybody knows you're going to lose versus Ohio State. Right. Nobody, nobody cares about that. <laughs> Probably Penn State, too. Right. But you can chalk up those two losses right there. Michigan and Indiana are gettable. They're gettable. Obviously. And you get a pass, by the way, for Ohio State and Penn State. Nobody even cares. No one cares. Now, and then you go to the West, okay? And I'm going to use Scott Frost as an example. I have made the argument. I can't remember if it was out on Twitter and DMs. I get confused sometimes. But you can make an argument that Scott Frost coming into Maryland might have been an easier rebuild than him going to Nebraska. So, number one, he's got to play a very solid Wisconsin team, a very solid Iowa team, a very solid now Minnesota team, Northwestern, Northwestern, a very solid team. And um, so basically it's like Illinois and Purdue. We got to make sure we win those games. And, but that's two wins. And oh, by the way, they've had their crossover game this entire time. Ohio state, (laughs) Ohio state. Now, if you think about this, if you cross them over and, and suddenly, I mean, I know this doesn't perfectly make sense, but if Nebraska was in the big 10 East, okay. If like, that's how it was. Well, they've already got Ohio State from their crossover before. Right. So now you would have them in the East. I would want to take my chances with – now, Penn State is Penn State, okay? But I would want to take my chances with Penn Michigan, State and everybody else. Michigan. Yeah. No, not – I mean, I think Penn State is pretty high up, right? Yeah. They're very equal to Wisconsin, okay? Yes. But not, but not above what, Wisconsin. No, but that's what I'm saying. Now, right. Take your chances with Penn State and everybody else. Like – Yes. Okay. I thought. Yeah. Don't, do you agree with that? Or do you no, think I that's do. A yeah. Crazy statement. Okay. That's one thing. Because traditionally, you have like Maryland and Rutgers, or maybe even easier wins than Purdue and Illinois in right. the last five years. Right. You know, and then Indiana wasn't that good until last couple years. So now, looking at this from a more global thing, or 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 you know, uh, across <laughs> all of college football for P five. Okay. The Big Twelve is weird. They're the only ones that are you know, not divisioned out. Okay. But then we have eight divisions, right. Among the power five teams. And, and so, so then you start ranking in my mind, the big 10 West being compared to other divisions in college football. Okay. All right. The sec is, is tough to, is tough to compare. I mean, Alabama is Alabama. LSU just won a national title two years ago that they're both in the West. Okay. So they have two guys at the tippy top that are, when they're up and running, they're, they're damn good. Okay. Yep. In the East, you have Georgia and Florida. Again, when you are up and running, you've got, now, I would start to contend, though, that teams three through the bottom, right. when you start comparing the Big Ten West to those divisions, I will take the Pepsi challenge with teams three through seven. Yeah. Is that fair? No, that's Start fair. looking down. It's, no, I agree. You get down to, I mean, I'm pretty sure I remember Iowa uh, beating Mississippi State a couple years ago. I'm pretty sure I remember Minnesota spanking that Auburn Heine a couple years ago in a couple bowls. By the way, look up the Big Ten West Bowl record. It's fantastic. What happened with Northwestern and Auburn last year? Mm -hmm. Spank that Heine. Spank it again. Okay. So I think the, the comparison between the Big Ten West and the SEC East is damn close. And then I start comparing them to the rest of these teams. I mean, listen to the – first of all, I can never remember the ACC. I have oh, to I can't either. Every time. Every single time. Um, and I, I, I'm guaranteeing this. I will never know those two. It, it, there's not enough desire for it to no. be committed to my memory. Right. And I got to think most people – There's even people on the East Coast don't can't remember where these teams are. But I will give them to you. Okay. First, we'll start out with the ACC Atlantic. The Clemson Tigers, yes. are, they are – the 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 new blood as they call they might be blue not be yeah. blue blood but they're the new blood nobody is denying Clemson's amazing run they're incredible now let's start listing off these shit burgers that are yeah. after Clemson Louisville 
Wake Forest, Florida State has been dung Terrible. for years. Boston College, Syracuse, and the NC State Wolfpack. I mean, that's You're that's trying crap. to tell me that division is better than it's the Big not. Ten Wentz simply because of Clemson? It's not. I'm sorry. It's not. Okay. We will continue on. The Coastal, because it gets worse. All right? Yes. I mean, I didn't know where you want to start. I could, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, good. They're up-and-coming program. I, I I, love Mac Brown. I, Are I, they better than Wisconsin and no. Iowa for sure? No. Okay. Or Penn State. Well, I'm saying oh, I'm in sorry, the West. Just West, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Northwestern. Car- let's, let's, let's stop Northwestern. 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 Correct. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Uh, North Carolina. Virginia. Virginia Tech. Miami. Pittsburgh. Duke. In Georgia Tech, terrible. That division is dung, garbage. It's dung. That's probably that's got to be the worst. That's right? the worst division in all. Wow. Yeah, we haven't gotten to Pac-12 yet. Probably. All right, let's but, do the Pac-12. And I think I'm kind of am I making my point here a little bit? Pac-12 North, Oregon Ducks, good. good. Yeah, but they're um, not what they used to be. And, and are they leaps and bounds better than the top team in the West? No, I mean look, we 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 just We've saw seen, Wisconsin playing. They should have won. They, they should have won the game. They handed yeah. the game away to Oregon. Oregon State. Cal, Washington is good, but again, yeah, better than an, no. an, an Iowa or Northwestern no. of the second. You, may, I mean, Washington State and Stanford, not not that good. I okay, mean, it's, I would say it, it's it's like the West in that it's kind of it's kind of deep and kind of even. Or, Oregon and Washington. Okay, that's fine. Oregon and Washington. That's a good one-two punch for your first two teams. So I, I'm with you there. After that, but Stanford has traditionally been a good program. I know they're a little down right they've now. Been, I mean, but dude, they've been down for like three years. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. Good point. Okay, then the Pac-12 South, Utah, great. very good. Love those guys, but not better than Iowa, Wisconsin, Did, Northwestern. Wait, didn't they? wait Did I think they? Northwestern played them recently. Yeah, and they beat them. Right? <laughs> what a crazy game that was. That was what an awakening for the West Coast. <laughs> USC, should they be absolutely elite? Yes. But they're not. Ab- like we, didn't we just see a Big Ten West you, team play that? Picking up a theme here. Okay, aren't you? I'm pretty sure Iowa and Amir Smith Marsh. And by the way, Iowa spanked their that Heine. They absolutely did. UCLA, Arizona State, Colorado, and Arizona. We have just proven, in my mind, beyond a shadow of the doubt, that the Big Ten West is better than any division in the ACC yep. and any division in the Pac-12. Yes, I think it's debatable. With the SEC East, yeah. when you start going from teams three to the to the bottom, sure. and I don't think there's a huge gap between Florida and either Iowa or no. Wisconsin. I think or Northwestern or Northwestern. Okay, now I don't know what to do with the Big Twelve because it's it's hard yeah, right. to fit in. But like, but it's just not deep. Like Oklahoma is is up great, there. They're, yeah, fantastic, they're, they're and, beyond, and, and they are better than Iowa, they're Wisconsin. Beyond, correct, they're beyond yeah. what we Northwestern and Northwestern. <laughs> but after that. Iowa State, Iowa State I mean, has not beaten Iowa in four years, and it's the, that's their number two team. Correct, and Texas is supposed to be up there, but they're just but they're not. not. Baylor, Kansas State, West Virginia, TCU. I mean, come on, the, you can so make the, a point to West say that better. the West is better than the Big Twelve. It is. I think the Big Ten West is the fourth best division in college football. Fourth best. It's the two yes. Big Ten t- divisions and the two SEC divisions. Well, at at the at the lowest, it's fourth. Like de- debatable, even maybe comparable third. Okay, I think that's. But people treat it like it's garbage, just because there's so, no. And I think, thank you for bringing that last point up. That is my point. Is like, why does the Big Ten West get shat on so much nationally when there are we just proved at least four other divisions that should have all kinds of shat spackled all over them, right? By the national media, what is the deal with the Big Ten West? Yeah, you never hear it for that. And why why are more know. people as as upset as me? Because <laughs> even I don't think you are. Maybe it's just because no, it's you because, avoid. And it's because I just focus on the Big Ten now. I don't really ever since the college football playoff, I've kind of ignored national college football. Not ignored, but it just not doesn't have the same cachet for me anymore. I agree, but like with that being said, I, I like to I mean, we'd still follow the whole sport. Um, I don't just gamble on Big Ten teams. I, I gamble on other teams yeah. too. And and you know, there's not too many Big Ten specific podcasts out there. So when I'm listening to college football podcasts during the season and the off season a little bit, they typically are more national. So I'm I'm going to listen to this stuff and I hear the same tropes yeah. and tired themes over and well, over again. So Bud Elliott, I I mean, please throw it out there, man. You tell me what you're looking at on why you think 
you had to say at least three times, I think maybe four or five times in that last podcast on how bad the Big Ten West is. Well, and I think to go a step further for myself personally is I just got so sick of the national narratives years ago. So I just, it drove me away from listening to national, any national media. It doesn't yeah. have to be a podcast. Yeah. Like, Watching Sports Center, et cetera, I would never do that no. just because it doesn't it's it's not for me. Correct. You know? Yeah. So I just I gave up on that stuff years I ago. I understand. Um it's a commitment to mental health and I tip my hat to you for that. I guess that's where my masochism comes in sometimes where I do listen to these podcasts and I am punching my steering wheel driving around in my truck by myself. But And I, I will occasionally listen to cover three, by the way. Yeah. Occasionally. If it's a topic I'm really interested right. in, I will listen to it, and I do okay. like them. All right. Okay, I think I'm back off my soapbox now. Yeah, How, what, did I stay somewhat calm or? or yeah, you hit like a maybe a seven. Okay, topped out maybe a seven and a half. All right, I think yeah. if I'm under eight, that's that's probably yeah. pretty good. Okay, you got anything else? No, but I'm no longer living with the hernia. <laughs> I, I put down one last one last lyric. Oh, okay. okay. <sighs> Walk real funny, bless my soul. Can't play tennis and it's hard to bowl. <laughs> living with the hernia. <laughs> another another great one. In fact, I said. The Ryer, the Kaiser. I don't know. That's my favorite. I think my favorite all time is called Polk's Forty Five. Okay, where he rolls through. It's this. It's this like uh, potpourri of different eighties songs. He just rolls from one into the next oh, into the wow. next, and does just a short, uh, like I a didn't short even know that existed. Oh, it's look up Polk's on Forty Five, which okay. I think is in three D is the name of the album. Nice. Yeah, which was you know is like that nineteen eighty five range somewhere around there when, I mean, in three D is his best album. Okay. Yeah. When we started this podcast over three years ago, I did not think we would meander to our point where we were plugging Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> but here we are. I mean, again, I'm going to reiterate, I think he's a genius. Okay. Okay. I really do. Very talented. Genius might be a touch far. Very talented, though. I'm going genius. <laughs> I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kirk. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye.